0: This episode of the Suns Report podcast is on the bright side of the Sun Network, as per usual. Thank you ever so much for pressing play. Make sure you press subscribe if you want to continue to get all this quality Suns content that we're providing here on the Suns Report podcast. My name is John, and I'm your host. That's correct, and we are the Suns Report podcasting team. We're actually recording this on Saturday, April 11th, so if anything changes between now and then, you know that we'd have no idea, because nothing's going to change anyway, so who cares? So this is our Ask Us Anything 5.0 podcast. If this was Star Wars, this would be a new hope. Oh, Oh, no, it'd be Empire Strikes Back, right? So it would be Empire. So welcome to the Empire Strikes Back Ask Us Anything episode. We appreciate you again, press and play. It's been a crazy month as we talked about on our last podcast, but one thing that hasn't been crazy are the questions that you're giving us for our Ask Us Anything podcast. Go ahead, get crazy. Ask us some nutty questions. I mean, we're definitely here to talk about the Phoenix Suns and some of their prospects and some of their needs in their different positions. How should they approach the draft? Things of that nature. And those are things that we're going to talk about on today's podcast. But don't be afraid to ask us some really whacked out questions. I am ready to answer whatever you got to throw at us. So if you do so, please do so via Twitter, The Suns Report hit us up at our gmail account that's the Suns report at gmail.com we're getting a lot of great feedback from our listeners there you can stop by our facebook page as well instagram wherever their social media where they're in some way shape or form so without further ado i think it's time that we talk about ask us anything yeah so i'm gonna crack open this beer and we'll talk about these things So before we get into the ask us anything portion of this podcast, I do want to speak briefly on the NBA 2K Players Tournament that happened this past Saturday. Matthew and I recorded this podcast on Saturday before the tournament had happened, and it was something that we were going to talk about perhaps next weekend, but you know what? I'm going to I'm going to cut it real quick and I'm going to talk about it because I just want to talk about what great viewership That really was. For those of you who actually spent the time and watched that tournament, it was really fun to actually sit and watch something of substance and look forward to being like, hey, listen, 7 o'clock, I've got something to do today. You know, One thing you miss without having sports on is those scheduled times. You're like, listen, it's 11 o'clock on a Saturday morning. I'm watching college football. Or it's 7 o'clock on a Tuesday night. The Phoenix Suns are on. That's what I'm doing. We haven't had those schedules in our life for over a month now, so it was interesting to watch the NBA 2K Players Tournament for that reason. You knew that it started at 3 o'clock, and based on all the games and everything that were going on, by about 7 o'clock, you potentially would have the final round of that tournament. What made it fun, especially for Suns fans, was the fact that you got to see DeAndre Ayton and Devin Booker play in that tournament. It was quality television, especially if you were a Suns fan. DeAndre Ayton ended up playing Patrick Beverly, who was kind of like the darling, if you will, of the tournament, seen as he was the 14 overall seed. And the seeds were based on the actual player rating on NBA 2K. So you can never really say, hey, the best video gamers... uh, were playing against the uh, the worst video gamers. The, the seeding was purely based in the only way that NBA 2K knew how to do it, and that was by the overall rating of those players. But DeAndre Ayton was playing against Patrick Beverly. You had Devin Booker, who went against Montrell's Herald. And, I mean, they swept them both. Uh, Devin Booker beat Montrell's Herald 68-54 in the first game, 65-62 in the second game. And then DeAndre Ayton beat Patrick Beverly 75-69 to in the first game. And the second game, which was super fun to watch, was him beating Patrick Beverly 74-67. to And what makes watching DeAndre Ayton beat Patrick Beverly super fun to watch in that second game? Because DeAndre Ayton chose the Suns as his team to play. Typically, everybody's picking the Bucks or the Clippers or the Lakers, and they only can use these teams once, and upon seeing that Patrick Beverly was going to choose the Denver Nuggets, he's like, you know what? I'm going with the hometown Phoenix Suns, and that right there was worth watching this tournament alone. Every time somebody would make a shot for the Suns, he'd be like, you don't even know about him. That's Valley Boy number four. And he had Javon Carter hit, I, I believe it was four first-half three-pointers. He's like, you don't even know, Valley Boy number four. He'd do a great pass to Mikel Bridges on the inside and be like, that's Valley Boy number 25. I mean, he it was just so much fun to watch him not only play very well. Again, he beat him by seven points, but it was a lot. Uh, he had a bigger lead than that. It was domination with DeAndre Ayton over Patrick Beverly in that second game. But it was fun to watch him just get excited about his teammates. He's like, oh, that's Valley Boy number 23. That's Cam Johnson. You don't even know. And Patrick Beverley the whole time, like, yeah, I don't know. I have no idea who that is, you know, kind of being his smart-ass self, which is what made him the tournament favorite. I mean, you look for good TV when you're watching two guys play video games, and, yeah, you're going to go with the guy who's the best at trash talking. Well, he didn't really have an opportunity to talk too much trash in this because DeAndre Ayton really outplayed him in both games. And then, of course, you get him going against Devin Booker in the final games. You know, it's a best of the three series playing NBA 2K. And that right there was just, again, as a Suns fan, so much fun to watch. It was like watching your older brother beat you at video games. Or for me, I am an older brother, is the kind of stuff that I would say to my younger brothers as we're playing. A couple quotes that Devin Booker had. He had chosen the Houston Rockets in the first game, and after... James Harden missed a layup. He's like, come on, man, you got to finish your breakfast. And then double teams are being thrown at him, and he's just like, He double don't like team. getting double teamed. He don't like getting double teamed. At the end of the first half of that first game, DeAndre Ayton was holding the ball and just doing his best not to give his older brother, if you will, a shot. And he put up a bad shot, and Devin Booker's like, that's what you decided to go with? And Aiton, with that kind of little brother look on his face, was just like, well, at least you didn't get a shot. You know, it's like little things like that made it so entertaining. Booker kept using the word patience. He's like, that's good basketball. That's patience. And as they went back and forth, you know, DeAndre Aiton was just, he was getting thoroughly schooled by Devin Booker in both games. Devin Booker won the first game. 72 to 62 so he beat him by 10 which in video game world that's a lot that's a lot of points and then devin booker won the nba 2k players championship by beating deandre aden 74 to 62 in the final game and it was just fun to watch because again it's two phoenix suns playing against each other and kind of having that inner relationship that they have normally occurs in the locker room kind of play out on espn it was on fred for those who watch T V, that was channel 206. I mean, that was primetime Saturday night television, and that's what you got. So the Suns were thoroughly represented there. Uh, a couple different, you know, you, you see all the analysts come in afterwards and kind of give their take on it. And, you know, one of the analysts said the truth. You know, the Suns are really good at video games. Part of me is just like, listen, I wish they played that way in real life. You know, I mean, it'd be fun to... Dominate and put as much time and effort into playing that well on the court as they do on video games. So, again, it was absolutely a fun watch. Kudos to Devin Booker for winning the NBA 2K Players Tournament and beating his teammate DeAndre Ayton. Uh, it was quality television. So uh, now I'll kick it back to the podcast as per normally scheduled. All right, so our first Ask Us Anything question actually comes from Deborah Coulter, and she provided the following feedback. Last week, we talked a lot about Gallinari and Jeremy Grant and how they could fit potentially into the the Suns lineup, and she stated the following. She said, I love the Grant to the Suns deal, but I think y'all sleeping on Nico Mannion. If you think about it, he's just what the Suns need, a pass-first point guard that can get his own shot and can play off the ball. He's the only one that showed that in college. I think that all the other point guards in this draft are busted. I have one more thing. That ball guy is so overrated. There's a reason why the Warriors don't want him. Let me know what you think. Hmm. So thank you, Deborah, for that. We'll talk about a couple different things that you brought up there. So first and foremost, I just want to touch real quick on... The Warriors passing on a ball. There's a reason if they get the number one pick that they're not going go to go little ball. Do you know why that is? He doesn't fit. Yeah. They have Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. They yeah. don't need ball. So and that's going to be they're a gonna starter. Pass. He's going to be a starter. I a feel starter. like he's
1: going to be a face of a franchise here. Soon. Potentially.
0: Potentially. So that's, you know, kind of to counter Deborah's point there, that's my thoughts there. What are your thoughts on Nico Mannion? I haven't watched him. Okay. So
1: I'm sorry. I haven't watched any college basketball. So I don't really. The whole point guard thing with the Suns, though, I don't want to even think about it or the pick. Um, I know I, I talked about LaMelo Ball, but he can play like three different positions. Um, but have you watched Nico Mannion at all?
0: I've watched him for like half of a game, and that was the game where he like injured his knee, so I didn't get to okay. see very much there. So I did research him just a little bit more and watch some highlights. Yeah. Because you look at the Twitter poll that we talked about at the end of our Ask Us Anything podcast last week, and the majority of fans... Want us to draft a point guard with that pick, and you look at kind of where Nico Mannion's projected to fall in the draft. He could potentially fall right to the Suns, and I'm wondering if that's the missing piece. That's what we didn't realize is the majority of fans want a point guard because they believe that Nico Mannion is the guy who would fit for that position in that draft pick. So, looking at Nico Mannion, you know, you, you look at his intangibles first. He's a six foot three. Freshman point guard from the University of Arizona. He went to Pinnacle High School, which is right up the street from where I live. So he's definitely he's a local kid. In his freshman season, he averaged 14 points per game, 5.3 assists per game, on 39 percent field goal shooting and 32 percent from downtown. Yeah, that's terrible. It's not great. No, that's for great. sure. You look at. Just for a comparison, you look at Steve Nash in, in college when he went to Santa Clara, and you look at all four seasons at Santa Clara, and he averaged 14.9 points per game, 5.4 assists, so less than Mannion, uh, 43% from field goal, and 40% from three-point line. So again, a different style of play in the mid-90s, but just for comparison, where does Nico kind of fall? Points per game is pretty on par with Nash. Assists per game is higher than Nash, but shooting is way down from Nash. Then I looked at from NBA DraftNet what his kind of score is, what they give him. What they do is they have 12 different categories, and they give him a a 10-scale rating on those different intangibles and skill sets. And here's what they have for Nico Mannion. Out of 120 total points, Mm -hmm. he got a 96. From uh, athleticism, 8 out of 10. Size, 8 out of 10 defense 7 out of 10 strength 8 out of 10 quickness 7 out of 10 leadership 9 out of 10 jump shot 9 out of 10 nba ready 7 out of 10 ball handling potential and passing all 8 out of 10 and intangibles 9 out of 10 so looking at that profile I can see why a lot of people are excited about the potential for Nico Mannion falling into the sun's lap in this upcoming draft and taking him. He's six foot three. So he's not a six foot one point guard. He is comparable to Ricky Rubio size wise. Uh, you know, Ty Jerome's like six five. he's a little bit bigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's who it he is. kind of reminds me in just watching the highlights. He does have better playmaking ability. But he kind of remind, reminds me a little bit of Ty Jerome and the fact that it just he he feels unathletic. Yeah, they do give him an eight out of ten on NBA Draft for athleticism, but I don't really see it translate. I was going to say how film. is it?
1: Yeah, that's why I'm saying like you have to really watch him. And it's my fault. I really haven't watched any college basketball this year. Highlights are a different thing because you see the good stuff. Like, exactly. We talked about that before. The Draft Net stuff. It can be a little bit misleading sometimes because they do the comparisons with players and stuff. So for me, I always have to just watch them. And I was hoping the tournament maybe I would be able to watch him play, right? Was U of A even going to make the tournament or no? They were, right? No. Oh, they were? Okay. So I would never watch this guy and just never know anything about him. Good job by me. (laughs) So um, usually I would like to watch these guys first. And it's my bad because I didn't watch them. But I'll watch highlights, of course. But the thing is with the point guard position with the Suns, we're looking for an answer. I think we already had the answer. And of course, we're probably a guy we're not going to pay in this off season is Javon Carter. Mm-hmm. And I think you have to be able to score and you have to be confident in shooter. He, he had an eight out of 10 for his jump shot, but he's shooting 32% from three yeah. and 39% they,
0: overall. Well, I, they gave him a nine out of 10 on his jump shot.
1: Yeah. So I don't, how does that even, I don't, I don't well, know. It might
0: look good. And just don't go in. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> yeah.
1: Maybe, like <laughs> kind of like James Jones. He always had such a good jump shot, but I swear he never made any of them. Um, <laughs> I wish we could just find the answer now, because we have Ty Jerome. I still like Ty Jerome, and I still really love Javon Carter. So why can't we just keep those guys? I think that's already the answer. If we're going to search in the draft for someone to be a backup point guard, I don't think the answer is really there here or with this guy or anybody else in the draft.
0: No, I and again, that's why I, I feel a little bit puzzled about it. And I think part of it is this franchise loves U of A players. It makes sense. They're local kids. They're down in Tucson playing. We see them a lot because they're on uh, television, very easily accessible to the greater Phoenix market. So you have DeAndre Ayton. We're big Aaron Gordon fans, probably you know because we saw him play at U of A. So I feel like you have a lot of people who just kind of are susceptible to liking the U of A players and want them to join the team. You have a lot of alumni who are season ticket holders and they want to see their guys come and play for their favorite, their favorite professional basketball team. If you go to Tankathon and you look at Nico Mannion, it's, it's not even close, I feel. They have him going 16th overall to Minnesota right now. But you look at his stat strengths and they have draft age at three stars and his assist percentage and usage at one star, and everything else from a stat standpoint is a weakness. That's wingspan, field goal percentage, offensive rebounds, rebounds, PER, blocks, offensive rating, efficient field goal percentage, defensive rebounds. I mean, just all the way down the line, I mean, he just has a lot of weaknesses. You look at their top 20, 20 point guards, he's not in the top five. You look at their top 20, 20 point guards, and the first one is LaMelo Ball. Killian Hayes coming out of, uh, I believe, France? He's number two, and that's actually somebody that a lot of people have linked the Suns with as well. Then you have Tyrese Halliburton, Cole Anthony, and Kara Lewis Jr. from Alabama. So Nico is not even in the top five point guards coming out in this draft per tankathon. You know, there's a lot of different lists out there. So, and, and as you look through different websites, you find a lot of the, the one word that I continually find is the word upside that Nico Mania does have a lot of upside. And again, that's probably why a lot of Suns fans find him appealing because he is somebody who could come in under Ricky Rubio for the next couple of years and learn. And that might be something that is definitely worth thinking about when we come to the draft. But here's the other side. A lot of the different sites also have their NBA player comps, and he's like Luke Ridenauer And I don't know about you, but if you were to tell me that in three years our starting point guard would be Luke Ridenour, I wouldn't be excited, would you?
1: No, not at all, man. And plus, when you're going, uh, when you're looking at a player that with potential and that could be somebody that we think might be great in the future, I mean, we've done that for how long? We can't plan Every these things. Year. We gotta, we we gotta have the players that are already playing, that already know how to play, which is players we have on our roster right now. So I, I'm not gonna even want. I don't even want to think about drafting this guy or anybody else, unless it's Lamelo. Yeah. Or unless it's, uh, who's the other guy?
0: Obi Toppin. Obi Toppin. Yeah. And I think that's one thing that the Suns Report podcast team, both Matthew and myself, have been pretty adamant on is the fact that we think that you should trade this draft pick because we're tired of building through the draft. And there's a lot of different Twitter arguments I've gotten in with different people about the just that fact, but it's, it's yeah. what I believe. I'm tired of trying to build through the draft. We bring in Nico Mannion. He's 20 years old. Again, you're just throwing shit against the wall and saying, "I hope that this sticks because I want it to." But there's no proven history of any of our draft picks, other than Devin Booker panning out. Yeah, no one's on the team. But he had the time too. Well, exactly.
1: We've always talked about this. He's had five years to figure it out with a shitty team. Exactly. This is
0: unless we want to continue to be shitty. Yeah, but you know that's not an option. Now that being said, if we draft Nico Mannion, I'm not overly upset. I just don't think it's the right move for the Suns. Yeah. I think that James Jones has continually showcased his desire to not have a bunch of 20-year-olds on his team, and that's why he'll continue to sign free agents and make trades and to ensure that, that's, that this core is not being continually trying to be developed. Yeah. At some point, you have to stop developing the core, and you have to have a core that is executing and winning. And if you're always developing and developing and developing, you're just going to continue to lose and lose and lose i.e. see the last 10 years of Phoenix Suns basketball. Mm-hmm. All right? All right. Our next question, is Davis Bertans a realistic free agent target for the Suns? And I think that's an interesting way to put it. Is it realistic? I would say that it is realistic, and here's kind of why. He's a six foot ten power forward, 15.4 points per game this past season, which is his highest in his four-year career, 43% from the field and... Uh, 42% from three-point range. So a power forward who we've talked about, what is going to be the best way for the Suns to kind of attack offensively, that is to have a four who can shoot. We have Dario Saric who is hit and miss. You know, you look at the times when Dario's hitting three-pointers and spreading the floor and allowing DeAndre Mm Ayton to really play down low. The Suns play very well when that occurs. But it's not consistent with Dario, and that's why we've talked about on this podcast before, and I'm sure we'll talk about it again, is the fact that if we can keep Dario Saric and have him coming off the bench as an energy guy who can shoot at occasion, he's a, he's great in that role, but he's not a starter. And that's why we've been playing a lot of Mikel Bridges, and we've been seeing some some more success in that area. So what are your thoughts on Davis Bretons?
1: Well, he's a guy where... I think I've already mentioned this before, but he is the guy you're playing against and you're like who the hell is this and he tears you up three three yeah three and he was in a three-point contest too this year and I, I don't know if he was last year either but he's very confident in his shot and his a game and i love that that's why i love sarge so much because he's very confident in what he does and just like puts his head down and he goes to work that is this guy too as well maybe he's something like we kind of want to with dragon bender in a way mm-hmm. but this guy is actually very confident what he wants to do and the way he plays and I think he, like I said, it's like who the hell is this guy? I can see him being a guy that sons would pick up because it'd be like, oh, we got him. You know what I mean? It's not like a big name, but it's a guy that can fill that role very well. Um, this is something I'd be very happy about if we got this guy. Um, but do you think? I mean, out of what? Like, out of a, out of a ten, I'd say probably eight eight out of ten
0: on us actually getting on a him. Scale?
1: Yeah, I feel like seven or eight.
0: I feel it's more of like a five or a six. Do you? And and here's why: Davis Bertans is going to be an unrestricted free agent this upcoming season. Yeah, and he also has the bird rights applied to him. And what the bird rights essentially are, they state that the the team that he is who could be leaving, which in this case is the Washington Wizards, has the ability to re-sign him and exceed the salary cap without penalty, any amount up to the max salary. And the whole pro- the thought process behind that is an opportunity for the team to keep him and not be penalized to try to keep him. Um, so that being said, he made $7 million over these past two seasons. And if they want to keep him, I mean, he could go out there. Let's say the Suns offer him $14 million a year. Washington could match that easily, and then he stays in Washington. They've voiced their opinion that they want to keep him. They want to keep him and Shabazz. Those are the two guys. I was reading an article from some Washington guys, and that's what they were talking about. It's like, those are two guys who they feel that they can build their core. They have Bradley Beal, which is like the Eastern Conference's Devin Booker. They have John Wall potentially coming back from injury. So they feel like if they can get those two guys back together around the other parts of their uh, their organization and solidify it by keeping Davis Bertans, then they can find themselves to be successful. And imagine if the Phoenix Suns were in the Eastern Conference because it wouldn't take much to get us into the playoffs if we were in the Eastern Conference. If you hold on to a Davis Bertans and he's on your team, that's going to get you into the Eastern Conference mm-hmm. playoffs. So that's kind of Washington's game plan, and I feel like that's something that they're going to tr- do a really good job executing, trying to keep Davis Bertans there.
1: Yeah. No, no, they definitely should. They should re-sign this guy. Um, but also, to going back to LaMelo Ball, I feel like LaMelo Ball is going to actually land on the Wizards.
0: Yeah, you said that before. I could totally see him I could see
1: that. So they can build on that, too. um, That'd be great for them. But um, hopefully this is a guy, too. And I I was even looking. He only started three games this year, too. So maybe some guy that maybe he thinks he could be a starter, but maybe he could be more comfortable in the next few years of being a backup.
0: It'd be great if the Suns could sign him and have him be a backup. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Would you go Davis Bertans or Dario Sarge? Well, is Dario still just... I'm just saying... I don't blame the guy. If he wants to
1: start, go ahead. But you... I don't think he should start on this team. So, yeah, I'm going to go batons yeah. just for that reason. If he's comfortable coming off the bench, then that's fine. Whoever's comfortable. I love Dario coming off the bench. Batons, if he's comfortable, then go ahead.
0: Would you guy. pay a $14 million bench player?
1: <sighs> See, that's so annoying, yeah. right?
0: Because, I mean, he made seven. Yeah. He has, he's a big who can shoot, which is valuable in the league right now. So there is value for him. We talked about Gallinari. We talked about yeah. Jeremy Grant and you know how we kind of felt their contracts are going to come out. Davis Bertans, I feel like, has a little bit more, other than Gallinari, a little bit more notoriety. And I think that other teams are more cued into him, and they might turn into a bidding war with Washington. Yeah. One last thing on Davis Bertans is he is definitely a Jack Taylor Award winner. He's that guy who you have no idea who he is. He comes off the bench and he hits 10 threes and fucking kills you, so. Yeah, he was that guy. But again, that's somebody who, you know, the question again is, is it realistic that he's a free agent target? It's realistic that he's a free agent target. I don't know how realistic it is he actually becomes a member of the Phoenix Suns. Yeah. Maybe we should just trade Kelly Oubre. Because we should, <laughs> we talk about that once on the pod yeah. every week.
1: Good so. thing you brought that up. <laughs> I have a whole essay about that.
0: So the next thing I wanted to talk about is Sean Marion. He actually recently sat down with the Rejecting the Screen podcast and discussed his career, which was a very interesting listen. And one thing that I wanted to talk about was the fact that he tried to recruit Kobe to Phoenix. So way back in 2004, back when Kobe was frustrated with the Lakers and feeling was kind of mutual from the front office. And there's reports of all the different teams that he visited. And I know that recently they was showing kind of the book that they presented him. Yeah. Showing, hey, like this is you in a son's uniform, which I remember just looked so weird. Sean Marion mentioned on the podcast, he said, of course, he tried to recruit Kobe to Phoenix. Why wouldn't he? He was a true competitor and he loved Kobe. When he laced them up, he came to play. So instead of going after Kobe, the Suns ended up with Steve Nash, uh, with and the Quentin Richardson, the 0405 team. So I thought that was interesting that he tried to recruit Kobe. So what are your thoughts on Sean Marion being kind of the conduit to try to get Kobe here?
1: That's interesting to know, and it's it kind of sucks later on because we find out like you know Kobe kind of used it for leverage for the Lakers. He yeah. always wanted to be a Lakers. oh of course, and like he has some weird kind of weird fetish with the Suns. Kobe did um so i i don't know what he had going on there but um i'm i mean it's kind of cool uh to think maybe they had a chance maybe they did maybe yeah. they didn't but we find out later it didn't even matter but to find out that Marion was trying to work on it, that's pretty awesome man
0: another reason to love him huh yeah, yeah. i love this guy right Yeah, me too yeah
1: yeah but he, you think he would have been an all-star if he was playing kobe he would have been right you think so? Oh, yeah. You,
0: well, oh, yeah. Well... because no, Kobe doesn't pass. Yeah, this is true. But what made Sean Marion an all-star wasn't his passing. Those cuttings. His, cutting to the basket. Yeah, but it was his rebounding, man. Yeah. It was his his an, But an you still got to score,
1: too. You still got to get the 20 points yeah. a game yeah, to well, be an all-star. Yeah, he
0: didn't get up to 20 points. Even with Steve Nash, he was at like 18 points a game.
1: No, really, he was twenty twenty one. No, he was 18. No, I'm pretty sure he was. Pull it averaging. up, goddammit. it! Pull all it up. Right, I'm gonna pull up right now. Uh, Going to fill the time.
0: All right, so I'll fill the time while okay. he's pulling up that number. So
1: Sean Marion. All right, I already got him up here. Got okay. Quick wow. Right here. Wow. So he averaged his first All Star team, uh, All Star season, 2002-2003, uh, was 21.2 points. Yeah. Uh, three years later, 21.8. Okay. That Two was wrong. seasons before that, 19.4. He was just amazing. No, he was good. I'm just saying. I don't. He still needed the points, so. I don't know. That would have been interesting. Though. I don't know. If,
0: yeah, I don't know if Sean Marion would have been an All Star. We would have th- won
1: a championship. I don't know that Kobe, because Kobe was the best player.
0: True. You know my thing with the best players. Yeah, best players win championships. Nash was great. I mean MVP, but twice. You got to be bigger. Well, so here's something else that I thought was interesting: that the Suns were actually in trade talks with the Lakers to trade Sean Marion and Jason Kidd for Kobe, and it never materialized. But it makes you wonder what could have been. What's interesting is you look at, okay, well, when would they have done that? Well, they would have done that going into the 2001-2002 season. Because that's when they traded Jason Kidd to the Nets. And they got Stephon Marbury in return. So if you could go back and delete that trade, delete Kidd to um, the Nets and Marbury to the Suns, and you trade Kidd and Marion to the Lakers, what do you think of that?
1: And then you get Kobe back. You get Kobe. So then, yeah, that would be great because... Eventually, you would have Steve Nash then. Steve Nash and Kobe and Amari well, Sotomayor.
0: not necessarily, though. You would. But not necessarily. Right? I mean, would you have the money to pay him? I don't know. Oh, you know what? That's a big thing,
1: huh? The whole money and the yeah. contracts and all that. Because, because, yeah, <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, Kobe would I be a know, max player man. for the time. You think Kobe would have been happy, though? But well, it would have been his own team. He, so
0: Yeah, true. Well, I think what's tough about that is... They're right in the middle of their championship run. That is the Lakers. They win it in 99 and 2000. They win it in 2000, 2001. So you're saying after winning two championships, you trade Kobe Bryant to the Suns to get Sean Marion and Jason Kidd? That would have looked really good for the Lakers, that's for sure. The Suns, though, I was looking at the lineup, like it would have been a weird lineup. Like our starting point guard probably would have been like Vinny Del Negro, an old Vinny Del Negro, unless the Suns obviously would have to make a couple other moves to put more talent around Kobe. But... That's it that I mean Wait. Jason Kidd and Sean Marion that was the talent then. Penny Hardaway would have been would have been coming off the bench.
1: You would have been able to afford Nash and Kobe on the same team. You could have a couple years. rookie contract True.
0: Then, I don't just those three alone. Yeah, you put those three. Yeah, you you take out Sean Marion and, and yeah. you put in Kobe Bryant. Yeah, maybe we would have won a championship. <sighs> <sighs> All right. All right. Well, rest in peace to Kobe. I split my wrist again. Uh, So the next thing we're going to talk about, the Phoenix Suns All-Star, Devin Booker, named the newest Special Olympics Global Ambassador. Good for you, D-Book.
1: Yeah, pretty badass. Love
0: the fact that he always has had that connection with the Special Olympics. His sister uh, suffers from having an issue with her 22nd chromosome. You know, Down syndrome is trisomy 21, where you have three of the 21st chromosome, his sister has an issue with not having a complete 20-second chromosome, but she's always been a Special Olympic uh, athlete. Okay, And I think that it's just really awesome seeing Devin Booker being named to the Special Olympics Global Ambassador team. He's a great person to bring awareness uh, to the Special Olympics. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you saw the interview of him um talking to, I forget who it was on ESPN about it, but it was actually kind of, it was kind of funny cause he's in his backyard. Oh, is he? Yeah. Oh, okay. he's, he's just chilling. He's, he's, he's throwing out a little bit, you know, yeah, his he's throwing out that beard. Yeah, too He's growing more. that beard out. So, yeah. and he was just talking about how special and what it meant to him. Yeah, but you know, good. I just wanted to give a shout out to D book on that.
1: No, I did too. Um, that is amazing. That's why he even said in an interview he wants to be known more than just the basketball aspect. He wants to affect the world more than just, you know, than just basketball. But that's why when I started this podcast, I kind of just, I never wanted to bash or slander people, or especially the NBA players, even yeah. like even like Bledsoe, a dude that we don't like because he didn't want to play for a fucked up organization in the Suns. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like because these players do do more. And they, they affect other people's lives more than they can ever affect, you know, us as like basketball fans. Yeah. So this is why I love to see this because we realize, you know, it's bigger than basketball. I hate to say that. Everyone always says that. But things like this just show like these guys are out there to do more than just, you know, please their fans and play for a shitty organization. You know what I mean?
0: No, without a doubt. And Book has always been somebody who you can always tell there's a genuineness to how he approaches these kind of things. You know, he's happy to do these things. He, He gives back to the local community. He's he's just a great guy to have on the team. He yeah. really is. You know, and we get frustrated with, you know, why can't he make a shot with under three <laughs> seconds yeah. and things like that? But at the end of the day, that's just basketball. Yeah. You know, this is the human aspect of it. And, and it makes you proud to have a guy like this as a part of your organization.
1: Yeah, especially if he wants to be here and just uh do great things for the Phoenix area. I just I love to have him aboard.
0: I'd love to play Call of Duty with him too. Yeah. War zone? <laughs> All right, so our next question comes via Facebook from Anthony Daniels. What one Suns player deserves a statue out front of Talking Stick Resort Arena? That's a tough one. What do you
1: think? Um, well, we can go two different ways. One way we can do the what-if statues. Like, what if we had Kobe? So we can, do, we can have that. No, I'm just joking. What uh, if we had Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? Yeah. yeah. We can do that. We can have, like, ten statues out there. Um, but I would definitely just go Steve Nash. I think it's easy to say two-time MVP. You know, one of the best sons ever to play the game. Uh would you think like what a Walter Davis statue would be pretty badass, I think, or something like that? Or some, some player like around, you know, when we first started as a franchise. Well, or? I, yeah, I
0: think it it'd be pretty cool. I mean, obviously the first thing you automatically think is Steve Nash. Yeah. Won two MVPs. I think what makes that a little bit tough is the fact that he played for a couple other teams. So he wasn't like a true Phoenix yeah. son the entire time. Yeah. But he was drafted by the organization and is probably we are probably most well known for having Steve Nash is a part of our team. KJ was a career guy with the Phoenix Suns. You know, he didn't go any well. He came over from Cleveland, but I mean, yeah. he he was on the best stretch of Phoenix Suns teams, going back to the late '80s when they're in the Western Conference Finals and playing the Lakers. To bringing in Charles Barkley and being a part of the Finals team, uh, you know, KJ was just somebody who i'd consider but again there's like the statutory rape allegations and things of that nature yeah, so it's yeah. like let's put a statue that guy. you you'd get a lot of pushback there i think walter davis is a good candidate just because he is somebody who again career son for the most part till the very end of his career but put up some f- fantastic numbers and really helped put this organization kind of on the map you know you could say like the dick van arsdale things of that mm-hmm. nature I honestly think there's nobody. Not yet. yet. Yeah, there's just nobody. You win a championship, you can do something like that. But you look at, like, in front of where the Bulls play, it's like, it's Michael Jordan. Like, I think the closest thing we have to Michael Jordan is Steve Nash. The guy who everybody in the league knows and respects. Yeah. There's not a lot of guys who've come through Phoenix that we actually get that. Like, Booker is respected throughout the league, but not by the fans.
1: Yeah. You know what I mean? No, I know what you mean. Like,
0: fans don't really like him of of, of, uh, opposing teams, Whereas the players really like him, you go back one generation and yeah, it's Steve Nash. You go the previous generation, it's like Barkley, KJ, and Dan Marley. Like Barkley gets a lot of respect, but he was only here for like three, four seasons. You know, you go back another generation, okay, that's the back end of Walter Davis. You go back another generation, and you know that's like Dick Van Arsdale and things of that nature. So,
1: so your answer is Booker. So,
0: (laughs) (laughs) my answer is one day Booker after wins the championship. One day Booker, that would be awesome, man. It just put Kobe up there. Yeah, <laughs> right, now
1: let's just put Kobe Because we almost
0: had him. Yeah. All right, so here's a fun question for you. Who is your favorite hothead in movie history?
1: Okay, so this question, uh, whenever people ask me questions, I usually don't understand what they're talking about. This is one of them. Okay. So the, when I thought of hothead, I thought of the ultimate hothead, probably Chris Farley, right, from Tommy Boy? Is that a hothead, some guy no. that's just running
0: around crazy? No. Then what
1: the hell's a hothead?
0: A hothead? Is somebody who's just angry?
1: Yeah, Chris like, Farley was always he, angry. He was not angry. He used to always throw fits. He used to like always like get really upset and stuff like that.
0: <laughs> Fat guy in a little coat. No, but it's he would always.
1: Upset. But he would lose his temper quickly. You know he would. Every movie he's in, he would okay. throw throw his bees and stuff all in his <laughs> junk. Whatever he used to do. <laughs> But that's what I thought of with Hothead. Head. I had no idea what to put, so I put Tommy Boy Chris Farley. Wow. So I had so like I had
0: like three different people I wanted well, to mention. I don't yeah. Who well, are these people? Abacino? Well, Al well that's you the an angry you, guy? You could well you could in like Scarface. He was pissed yeah. off the whole time. Well, yeah. He was pissed off at everybody. He hated everybody. He was a hothead. Yeah, hothead. I was just
1: thinking of a dude who loses their temper all of a sudden yeah. for reason.
0: Yeah, I'm like I, a psychopath, right? Like Scarface. Okay. Yeah. He loses his temper temper instantly and like shoots people uh so here's a couple names that i had on my list for the greatest hothead in movie history uh i have dirty harry so clint eastwood in the dirty harry movie that's just somebody who he's just pissed off all the time okay the department's breathing down his throat he doesn't care (laughs) he goes out there with the 44 magnum the most powerful handgun in the world could blow your head clean off and then like shoots people so he's a hothead you also have you ever seen dodgeball yeah, like White Goodman, Ben Ben Stiller's character. Yeah, like he's yeah. always pissed off is, and mad yeah. too. But I think my number one hothead would have to be Sergeant Dingham from The Departed, Mark Wahlberg's character. Mm. He's just pissed the whole damn movie. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. You know, not a big yeah. role, but he is just like, how about fuck yourself? Like the whole yeah. movie. Yeah. Like, like how do you describe him? Eh, how about fuck yourself? Mm-hmm. So that's that was my number one. I okay. know a weird question, but I thought it was kind of funny.
1: Yeah, well, I just didn't understand
0: it, (laughs) like always. All right, so why don't you read us the next question? Bill Simmons
1: pod, he was on uh, with, I think it was uh, Joe House, uh, some other guy, I forget. Um, But they were doing a redraft. They've been doing the redraftables. They went to the 1999 draft, and they just redrafted it. And they took Sean Marion. Well, he took Sean Marion over number one. Yeah, number one overall. And then I didn't watch the rest of it. I don't know where Ginobili ended up. But my number question two. is, was it number two? Number two. Okay, so that's the only clip I saw was a Marion one. So, <laughs> Ginobili and Marion in that draft. Ginobili almost went almost last in the draft. Yeah, he was he second to last. Pick fifty-seven. Yeah. So, would you pick Ginobili, knowing what you know now about how everything turned out, how these players turned out? Would you pick him over Marion, or would you still pick
0: Marion? That's such a good question. So, yeah, Bill Simmons and the Ringer team has been doing the redraftables. They're literally taking, like, every draft since, like, yeah. 96 on. Even the shitty ones. Yeah, they're even just, the shitty yeah. ones. And they're just, you know, the one with, like, Olo Candy and whatnot. Yeah. And they're just like, hey, if we could redraft this knowing what we know now based on the draft positions, you know, here's how we believe it should have panned out. So you go back to the 1999 draft, and the Suns had the number nine overall pick. Yeah. And that's where they took Sean Marion out of UNLV and won the draft. Clearly, because according to the Ringer team, they believe that Sean Marion should have went first overall based yeah. on what they know now. According to Bill Simmons and Joe House and the Ringer team, if they were to redraft, the number nine overall pick would end up being Lamar Odom for the Suns. So I'll back up first, and I'll answer your question. Knowing what we know now, should the Suns have taken Sean Marion or Manu Ginobili? That is so tough, because if you do get Manu Ginobili, you essentially have a two-guard, for the next about seven years, and then a really phenomenal backup slash role player for the rest of his career. And you look at the time from '99 on. Who are all the Suns' two guards? Well, you have Penny Hardaway, who was hurt all the time. Then you go into like Quentin Richardson, and then Rajabell, Bell, and you end it with a bunch of bunch of scrubs essentially at the be- which would be at the back end of Manu Ginobili's career. So if you go ahead and you draft Manu Ginobili. You have your two guards set. And then eventually, you know, they bring over Stefan Marbury a couple years later, and then they bring over Steve Nash a few years later. It's so tough because, again, I think that Sean Marion is such a unique talent. What he did on the court was so different than everybody else. He was the Swiss Army Knife. He was a hustle player. He was somebody who had, uh, like you said, 21 points a game. He'd get you 11 boards a game. Two blocks a game, three steals. I mean, he just kind of filled up the stat sheet. Whereas Manu Ginobili would get you points in like I think like four flops a game. I think that's what he averaged about four yeah, flops a yeah, game. Yeah. So I know that personally, I hate Manu Ginobili as a player. You know the 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 way that he played. I respect him for how yeah. he played, and he you know he played the game the way that it was officiated, and he would put those officials in tough spots. But I hated the way that we used to lose to that team, and the way that he could get away with some of the stuff and the stuff that he did, like the Euro step. I'm like, that's a travel. Well, apparently it's not. So I think in hindsight, long winded way to answer your question, I'd still draft Sean Mary. You would. What about yourself?
1: Oh Man, it is tough. Uh, It's very, very neck to neck. Um, Ginobili was a player though, that knew the game. Very smart player. Um, He was the guy that I, I feared the most out of the team.
0: Was, me, me, me too yeah, me j- too it's just like don't let
1: that guy shoot don't let him do anything he you couldn't stop the guy and i don't know if it was just a sun thing because we suck on defense but he was just like that to every other team i don't know because i don't know how it would have panned out with the rest of the team if we get nash and all that but if i were to just take that 2003 2004 team or 2004 2005 suns team take out marion and put in ginobili i would take out marion and put in ginobili really yeah so if i had that i would definitely do that um but then I don't, I don't know. I don't even know why I asked this because I don't know the answer. I really don't. <laughs> it's and, a
0: good, it's a good debate topic though. Yeah. Because it, the potential is obviously there. We were the ninth pick, and we could have taken Ginobili. But and, you
1: yeah. wouldn't take them there. No. Yeah. No. I'm just saying. If but, we could,
0: like, with the second round pick, that would have yeah. been really nice.
1: Can you imagine that though, right? Um, but I just wanted to say too, just the way Marion ended up leaving the Suns, that sucks. I like how Ginobili, of course, was with the Spurs. Like you said, he played a backup role. Very very uh, positive backup role. Yes. So I think having that in the long run was great, and just the way Sean Marion left us, I'll always bring up like it just was really heartbreaking how the whole thing ended. So I think just for that reason, I would choose Ginobili.
0: Okay. How do you feel about in this redraftable the Suns having Lamar Odom at number nine? That's crazy. That's an interesting addition. Yeah. Because I don't think that that would be horrible.
1: No, I know, because he was one guy with the Lakers we feared. We couldn't stop Lamar Yeah, Lamar Odom, Odom used to own the Suns, Yeah, he man. did. And he was a great player, dude. He If he didn't have the drug issues and the Kardashian issues, he would have continued to be an awesome. <laughs> oh, but yeah. He just he went downhill so quickly,
0: but he was... Well, he was the third best player on a championship team with he, Kobe and Paul Gasol. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But
1: he would have been probably the second best player on a team mm-hmm. if he would have just kept it up, yep. but... Um that's yeah, he, he, he 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 was ahead of his time. Yeah. He was ahead of his time. I mean I would have rather had Marion over him, obviously, but um I don't know, man. I think he had a higher ceiling than Marion if he would have just kept on the right
0: track. I feel that. So if you look at the the ranks for um the ringer, here's the three players that went after or here's the four players that went after Lamar Odom. Would you have rather have any of these three players more than Lamar Odom for the Suns? Meta World Peace. No. Steve Francis, maybe I liked Steve Francis I a liked lot. Him.
1: Yeah, he was he was a am- he was like the best point guard in the league at once. Yeah, for yeah. like
0: a couple seasons in there.
1: Yeah, so I don't know. He just didn't last long.
0: And Rip Hamilton, no, nah.
1: I'd never been a big Rip fan. I,
0: yeah, I never really was. Stevie franchise was fucking fun to watch, man. Yeah. He was kind of like a Marbury slash Iverson. That's how yeah. I always kind of yeah. you know didn't a reach bit the of Chris potential Paul in there. little yeah a yeah. little bit. So I mean, we potentially could have. Uh, Gone after him and he went second in the draft. But yeah. if you redraft, he, according to the ringer, they have him at number 10. So oh, that's
1: crazy. That's how hard it is to draft, you know? It, yeah, you just, yep.
0: it's always a crapshoot. It's always it a crapshoot. All right, I got a couple more questions for you before we depart today. If you had a boat, what would you name it? Oh, I feel like I had this answer
1: like two years ago <laughs> and I can't remember what it is. <laughs> the SS, what? The SS, uh, we're gonna name it Sissy.
0: <laughs> the SS Sissy Lissy? Yeah. <laughs> no, that'd be great. Oh, that's a good what one. What about you? Oh, I don't know. The SS, go fuck yourself. Okay. The SS Dingham. <laughs> <laughs> what celebrity would you rate as a perfect 10? Woman?
1: Either or. Um, I'll just go with my favorite. It would be, it's a tie between. Okay, so there's two Charisma Carpenter and Stacy Dash, I think.
0: Stacy Dash? Yeah. Am I clueless? Yeah. Perfect 10, huh? Yep. It's those blue eyes, man. I'd probably have to go like Dan- Denzel.
1: Denzel. Yeah, if you're you going know? male. I mean, yeah. you got
0: the Brad Pitts, but then also
1: Who was it? That was like this guy's great looking. Who was it? Man, I can't even think right now. I
0: I I've Chris Hemsworth. Chris Hemsworth. That's a good one. Yeah. Long hair, or short hair. Yeah, both. Both? Yeah.
1: I like the longer hair better.
0: <laughs> but Denzel's one of those guys where it's like whenever he comes out in a movie, like I'm watching it. Yeah. You know, as far as females go concerned, I don't know, Jennifer Aniston.
1: Ugh, wow, that was a worst pick ever. Really? Jennifer Aniston of everybody? Yeah, right. I know like 100 more, 100 100 better ones than that. Yeah, Rachel's hot. Okay.
0: Our last question for the ask us anything Empire Strikes Back 5th edition installment. Installment is if you could time travel, where would you go? Um, would you go to the past, would you go to the future? Would you go seven weeks ago before the coronavirus hit? Um, Okay, time travel. A lot of people say
1: you would go before Hitler, stop all that, even though you can't. I would go to um, just when Jesus was around to see what was really going on and all that stuff. Gotcha. Interesting. Uh, Definitely around that time. um, Would I be dressed up like me or would I I get killed
0: or stoned when I go back? You'd have to adapt.
1: But can I be invisible or no? No. Okay, so I have to adapt to it?
0: Yeah, but you're not there permanently. You're okay. there for, let's just say, two well, weeks. the
1: water source thing, I don't know if there's a lot of water. Hopefully the place has a lot of water. Well, they I have, like, the, a lot of water. The,
0: the, the river that John the Baptist baptized Jesus in. You can go drink that, right? <laughs> I don't think that's... Yeah, I don't think I could
1: drink that. But, I think um, if you
0: go back to that time, like, you'd have to... Because you'd go dressed as you are right now. Like, you'd have to strip down buck naked just so you could yeah. walk around. And people back then are probably like, oh, this is...
1: Hey, it's normal.
0: Yeah, this is normal. be
1: really white, too, because they are all, you know... Yeah, they probably you know, go, he's, he's got such soft
0: hands <laughs> Yeah, I would, wouldn't I? Maybe, yeah. yeah. But then you could be like, yo, where's Jesus? Yeah, I would definitely go there. Uh, where would you go? Always an interesting question. If I had to spend two weeks anywhere, I've always loved the movie Back to the Future because they go back to 1955. And I like it because it's just such an interesting time in America. It's post-war. You know, the, the suburban lifestyle mm-hmm. is something that's growing. And there's a lot of little simple things that make life easier. And, like, like, for example, and, and I, tell me if you're following what I'm talking about, there's a scene where they're, like, at the gas station, and he's trying to screw off, like, a Pepsi, and he can't get the, the cap off, and there's a thing, like, right there where he just takes it and he just pops off the cap, and there's all these little nice things that we found better inventions to, to negate, mm-hmm. but back in the 50s, like, it was, they were just simple times, I feel. Yeah. And I'd like to go back to, like, 1955 and spend two weeks in Phoenix, Arizona, and just see what it's like, not the summertime, because AC's probably not that good yet. But just to hang out, just kind of see yeah. what it was like. It'd it would be, be interesting. interesting.
1: It would it would uh, I wonder how they talked back then and so. stuff.
0: I know you always wonder that. You always wonder yeah. if they'd have like a different accent or if our dialect would be something that they would point out right away and be like that yeah. guy's weird. I honestly don't think especially going back to the 50s. Like I just have to say like o every Daddy-o, now and then. Yeah like hey what, what, what's the fuzz but then
1: you also don't you have to wear like the white t-shirts uh, white and white t-shirts with the jeans but I can't really yeah. wear white my nipples show uh, so I look, can't really wear white yeah but
0: you wear those undershirts they had like wife beaters back then yeah like, everybody wore those it's too bulky though so. yeah but you're, you're worried about going back to 1955 you're like, the polyester cotton <laughs> blend is just not for me so I don't know <laughs> if I could survive there dude you're going back to the time of Jesus man like yeah. it's like that is straight up sheep that you're wearing is that okay for your nips
1: well I feel like you would just need a robe or something or you know a big cloth and then sit on the floor somewhere that's all
0: you have to do just wear some sandals yeah yeah i'd like to i think 1955 be a fun place to go back to 1955 in phoenix see what it's like after like a week i'd be like fuck this (laughs) no that'd be the worst you know but the old cars that are just like huge studebakers and such yeah it's still kind of racist i don't know i don't know about phoenix i mean everywhere back then but phoenix i don't know so well, that's it for our Ask Us Anything podcast. We <laughs> hope you enjoyed. Uh, you know, Again, hit us up. Let us know. TheSunsReport at gmail.com. You can hit us up at TheSunsReport on Twitter. We'll be putting this out again, asking for the sixth iteration of this podcast, because we enjoy answering your questions. Again, thank you for spending some time with us. Stay safe out there. Take care of yourself. Take care of your family. This is John. Thank you ever so much for listening.
1: Hey, everybody. It's Matthew Lissy. Uh, stay home and love your family. Amen. Take care, everybody.